Good to be with you again this week. Good God, it's hot outside every day. It's so hot. Uh, it looks like on the forecast we might get a break here in a few days. Hopefully coming into next week, a little bit cooler. But golly, temperatures are hot outside. Uh, temperatures are hot at the state capitol. Governor Stitt making some uh, political theater uh, this week by signing an executive order. We're going to kind of wait a few days to break that down because uh, we want to get some good voices in here that can speak to that with a little more authority than I can because it deals with uh, with women and I'm not a woman. So we're going to, we've reached out to some partners about that. And we'll have a, a more in-depth conversation there for you soon. This week though, uh, we've got a special guest in studio, uh, a local friend of yours and mine, JB. Uh, what's up, man? Thanks for being here. Thank you. What's up? <laughs> um, JB and I just even when you were walking up outside, I'd been standing there for a few minutes. And I was just thinking, it's it's like oppressive to even say hello to friends on the sidewalk. It's so hot outside. Yeah, I, I, I had parked around the corner. I was like, man, do I want to walk? Or like, <laughs> well, when you leave, I can we can cut through the building. It'll save okay. you a little bit. Uh, JB, you were one of our <clears throat> kind of plenary speakers at CivicsCon last month. Um, and you came in to one of the, the big sessions and got to share a few words about about your experience, right? As a, I think I introduced you then as a, you know, hip hop artist, as an activist, as an entrepreneur, a man about town. And I think you you come to this line of work with a lot deeper of a story than most people know about you. Like folks might know you for your music or they see you you know, on the newspaper or something for something that's happening right now, right? Um, but this is something that's been baked in, right? This is, uh, for you, really like a life's work that now you have the opportunity to kind of live out in new ways. Yeah. Could you, um, for our listeners here on the podcast, could you tell us a little bit about kind of that story and what brings you into this kind of work today? Um, you talking about Live Free? Or just what I talked about. Well, we'll about. get to live free in just a minute, but yeah, okay. but just just the word. Yeah, yeah building yeah. up to that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, you know, I think uh, the the is I, it, I always I never know what I'm doing until I'm doing it, but you know the it all stems from you know probably just being impacted by different things in life. Um, and where I come from and the things I've seen and, you know, what I've, what I've gone through and, um, the things that, you know, at that, at some point you, you deal with all these things and you see all these things and you just want to, you know, do whatever you can to, um, to help change them and help, and help fix it, you know? Um, and so, uh, I think that's kind of where, where for me, where it all starts. So you can, I mean, we, it could, you know, like for me, it's like a bunch of different things. So you, it might be, you know, um, let's say, you know, what, whatever the injustice is, you yeah. know, um, if for the most part, if, if I'm, um, if I have an opinion on it, it's because it's affecting me in some way, Yeah. Uh, whether it's, you know, uh, homies being locked up, uh, a brother on a homeboy on death row, uh, homies in, in the pen for life, or if it is, you know, someone, uh, you know, getting killed by the police or, um, you know, whatever the case may be, like a lot of those things, you know, I have been affected by in some way. If it's, um, you know, somebody getting killed on the streets, um, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, um, a community not having food to eat, you know what I'm saying, or not having jobs or whatever, like, all the, if it's homelessness, you know what I'm saying, like, all those things I've, 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 um, experienced. Yeah. And so, and so because of that, you know, um, you know, I feel like I have a responsibility to, um, you know, to engage in a way that, that, you know, either helps, the voices be heard of people who are dealing with whose voices don't get heard or um, I have a responsibility to, you know, um, jump out the window and just try and, you know, do what I can to to be a part of some type of solution or, you know, um, figure out, 
ways to help instead of just sitting around and talking about it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, something you said in there really stood out to me. You said this is if you have an opinion about something, it's because it's something that has touched your life. And, you know, in today's world, everybody's got an opinion about everything, whether or not they have any personal connection to it. And I think from, from at least from my standpoint, vantage point, right, where you and I have kind of orbited around each other in different scenarios. We've had um, opportunities to work together, do events, that kind of stuff, and, and just know each other through kind of advocacy work in yeah, town. Is, yeah. um, and I, you know, I meet a lot of people in that world, and I, you do too. And I, I will say that there is a different, like, timber, a different tenor to how you approach this work that is, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to be dismissive of others to say that it's more authentic with you, but I, I think there's something that comes with it from you that that makes it very real, very palpable. That this is not just an issue you care about because it exists in the world, but it is something that you have experienced yourself. And I think that lived experience means a lot, right? Yeah, and that's you know, and I I don't usually jump on on issues that or jump on things that ain't got nothing to do with me, you know what I'm saying, or that, you know, I, you know what I'm saying, like, I might, I might feel a certain way, but just like you said at the beginning, like, you know, uh, this issue, um, you know, concerns women, so you want to get women in here to talk about it, yeah. you know what I'm saying, like, I had a, I had, a, I was talking to someone yesterday uh, about, you know, just about, for instance, Live Free, and they go, what about, you know, why are you focusing on just on you know, War 7, I said, well, that's where I live, that's where I grew up, you know what I'm saying, like, and, and that's where I have the, the deepest connection, now, do I care about, you know, the city, do I care about the state, yeah, but right now, you know, I can't, you know, charity starts at home, I can't, I can't, like, you know, try and go out and fix somebody else's uh, side of town, somebody else's spot, somebody else's city until I've, you know, um, worked on my own first, you know yeah, what I'm saying? And yeah. so, so like, I just think that it's important that, that, you know, whatever I do, I'd be really, really intentional about it. Whatever I say, I'd be really, really intentional because, um, these are at the end of the day, you know, where we are talking about people's lives. We're talking about, you know, um, people's trauma. We're talking about, uh, injustice. We're talking about, you know, uh, the people and, um, whenever you're doing, whenever you're talking about the people and you're working for the people, you know, um, it's not about, you know, what JB thinks is right. It's not about, you know, how big my personality is, how big my platform is. It's about these people and none of that stuff don't matter if I'm just out here trying to just, you know, do all these different things and move around just because I can mm -hmm. or start something here just because I can or because somebody asked me, then, you know, I feel like, well, they asked me, so I'm going to go, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't like when that's done to me, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, so it's just important that I speak for and I address, you know, things that I know about and that, you know, um, have impacted me first before I ever try and, you know, feel like, I have, um, like, I know what somebody else needs. Cause I don't like people do that to me or my community. You know, somebody, for instance, um, whenever we first started the started the East Point development, right? And uh, this is before I had Eastside Pizza, before I had Scramble, before I had Live Free. We were we were just trying to get the city behind it and get you know city council to help prove, approve some things, right? And I'm sitting in this meeting, and it's probably like three black people. This is before, you know, Mickey Nice was on council. It was, yeah. it was still Pettis. And, you know, um, and it's a, and I don't even, at this point, I know who they are now, but I was just getting my feet wet, so I didn't even know who any of these city council people were. Never seen them, but they don't come around where I live at. I don't, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so... We're trying. We're presenting East Point to them and telling them why it's important and why, you know, our city needs this and why. I mean, our our neighborhood needs this and you know, talking about all the lack of resources and about how 
you know, redlining affected, you know, the North Northeast community and all these things. And they had to have a discussion about whether or not it was, you know, it was okay to to uh, support us in what we were asking. And that really, that, that messed me up, you know what I'm saying? Because like I said, what, like, who are you to know or to even, you know what I'm saying? Why is that even the discussion? I'm telling you it's happening, it's happening. Right. And even if, even if you're having a discussion about it, you still will never know because you don't live there, you don't go there, you ain't been there, you don't know anybody that live over there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm probably, you know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not over there like I am, and so, and so, like that. Those type of things is why I don't want to ever be somebody who can say, well, I think you should be doing this, or you should be doing this, or I know it's right for this group of people. Yeah, because especially for for black people in America. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm talking a long time. No, no, go for it. Especially for black people in America, since the day we got here, we've been told where to live, how to live, how to raise our kids, what schools they can go to, um, how to worship, what to worship, who to worship. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we've been told, like, we, we you don't make any moves, especially, you know, in Oklahoma City without going through somebody who don't even know you or, you know what I'm saying, or getting approved by somebody who doesn't even you know what I mean, doesn't even know what it's like or understand. And so for that reason, because I know what that's like, I'm I'm not about to, you know, go and try to tell somebody, well, you know, uh, you should do this or you should be doing that. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I don't like when it's done to me or my community. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so, yeah, I just think that it's important that for me, I, be, I just be intentional in that way because of, I know that, I know the kind of harm it can do to to people. I know the kind of harm it can do to a community. So, no, I, that's exactly right. I mean, it's it is difficult, right? Even if people mean well, people might want to help. Um, you know, we hear this a lot. I think in Oklahoma about what's happening in rural areas, and I almost only hear that from people who live in metro areas. Yeah. Who are like, "Well, we got to do something in the rural." And I was like, "Do you even know?" anyone out there that you could talk to and find out what actually matters to them, right? Maybe they're happy or maybe they're not, but for totally different reasons than what you would assume. And it is, I think. And even if you talk to one person in a rural rural area, that's still, you still can't take that as like, this is what people in rural rural Oklahoma (laughs) think. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and I know because people do that to black people all the time. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have a, you know, um, a view on one thing or I'll feel some way about something. And then somebody, you know, who ain't black will come to me, well, you know, so-and-so thinks that this. And they, I'm like, man, I don't know them. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't know their life. What They don't know mine. They not, you know what I'm saying? Like, they ain't lived how I live. So I don't care what that what they say. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm, I'm telling you about my experience and how, and how I live. Just because they black don't mean we we grew up the same we can you know what i mean like they don't get to speak for me and i don't and i don't i don't think it's important i mean i'm sorry i don't, I don't think it's right for people to do that you know what i'm saying like yeah. i like i have friends in let's say rural in rural oklahoma right you know because um you know like guthrie and coil and all these places out yeah. there and um and even with all the people i know in those places, um, they're all different too. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, you know, but you know, we we live in a time where everybody got all the answers. Everybody <laughs> know what people should need, what they want. Everybody, you know what I'm saying. Like, but but what that is, what what that is, um, people feel like that, and they and they think like think like that. That is. Um, I don't even want to say to say it. I it's 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 a form of white supremacy. Yeah, because yeah. It, it to think that you know what's best for somebody based on your opinion or what you think or how what your beliefs are, you are imposing a will on your will on somebody else's life. Right? If you think about, um, you know, the essence of you know, white supremacy, that's what it is. Yeah. Whenever whenever black people got here, whenever they got here and natives were already here, what did they do? They said, listen, this is how 
you should worship. This is the language you should speak. Stop speaking your, your native language. If you got caught speaking it, you know what I'm saying, something happened to you. Right. The same with, with black people, people from Africa. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is, that is the, that's the foundation of white supremacy is like, this is what's right. And if you don't do, or, or if my will doesn't fit, then something's wrong with you. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? And that's wrong. Well, uh, on our last episode of this podcast, I talked a little bit about, I think, a similar sentiment um, from the governor's, like, recent statements about uh, tribal gaming compacts. And he said in multiple statements out of his office uh, the same line, and that is that, the, you know, A.G. Drummond or the big tribes are trying to turn eastern Oklahoma into a big reservation. And I, and this is not a partisan statement, but, like, the tribes did not create the reservations, right? Like, the the white government created the reservations. And so it's just such a bizarre, I mean, I guess it's gaslighting, right? Like, it's a way to, like, change the narrative that is totally inaccurate, but it's a way to elicit fear out of people for completely the wrong reasons. And I was like, but- this this is not... It's just not right. Yeah, and you and the 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 scary part about that is, and cut me off anytime if I'm talking too much, but you know he claims he claims native, right? The governor, um, and a lot in, of in that he's Cherokee. Is that what you something mean? Something like that. I don't yeah, know yeah. Which I one, think so. Yeah, uh, he claims native, right? Um, and and there's a difference. Not tell people all the time whether it's black native, whatever. There's a there's a and and there's probably somebody else like him claiming native and going well I'm Native American and I, you know what I'm saying right and he probably feels like well you know I'm native or I, you know what I'm saying so but there's a really big difference especially when you live in native country like we do there's a really big difference in talking native and living native sure yeah and you know there everybody got a Cherokee license plate you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. everybody got a you know what I mean? So, but everybody don't speak Cherokee. Mm-hmm. Everybody not at, you know, the sweat. Everybody not at, at a powwow. Everybody ain't going to the nine. You know what I'm saying? Like, like everybody's not participating. Like, their life doesn't, doesn't, their life isn't encompassed in being Native American. Mm-hmm. But they claim Native, right? So you can't, you can't talk Native and say, well, as Native American, I think this is okay when you're not living Native. You're living mm-hmm. white. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so... That's the that's the that's the scary part is that, you know, you know, you have people who, you know, they feel like because they they, you know, they've been told they're native or they, you know, what I'm saying did ancestry. I don't know what he did to figure it out, but he might be on a roll. I don't know. But but um, based on friends that like friends and brothers and sisters that I know that are native and actually live native. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a there's a big difference. There's mm-hmm. a big difference. You know what I'm saying? And you walk into this room, and I can tell you're, you know what I'm saying, you're Native American. You live, you talk, you, you know what I'm saying? As opposed to, like, you walk in this room, and you're just a dude, and then all of a sudden, when a Native issue comes up, you've you got, wait, hold on. Right. I'm three-quarters Cherokee, so I, you know what I'm <laughs> right. saying? yeah. You know what I mean? And so, It is. Know. I mean, I think I, I find everything with the Native community fascinating for lots of reasons but that alone right because it's the only mm-hmm. ethnicity that has a blood quantum associated with mm-hmm. it there's all these rules mm-hmm. right and uh, you and i you know i'm sure both know a lot of people kind of across the spectrum right we know folks who are blonde hair and blue eye but are on the rolls and we know folks who grew up on the res and like i know and that's the thing i, I got homies that grew up on the res that they got you know red hair blue eyes yeah. blonde, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. and they and they might not you know, when you look at them, they might not look native, mm-hmm. but they live that shit. Right. You know I'm saying? I know people right. who are as dark as me, hair nappy as me, yeah. as mine, and they're they're native, and they they actively live in native culture. All their friends are native. People they interact with are native. Mm-hmm. They speak their languages. You know what I'm saying? Like they are every any harm done to native to the native community, it's it affects them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If any harm done to native community doesn't doesn't affect you then it's hard to say you're living native. Right, right. Well, I think this is probably... And the same with black people. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, um, 
you know, I grew up in Texas and for most of my childhood, and we lived in Minnesota for a few years. Very different culture <laughs> going up the other end of I-35. I just came from Minnesota. Did you really? I went to go see Beyonce. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, you know, Minnesota, home of Prince, which is yeah. um, a, a, a rich musical history in that state, which I did not appreciate until I... Ram Sayers from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but when I moved up there from Texas... I had a weird experience, aside from being, it was probably the most othered I'd ever felt, Mm -hmm. but a lot of my, like, very Scandinavian classmates assumed that I was from Texas and I had dark hair, so that I was, like, part Mexican, and my neighbor, two doors down, his family was Mexican, I'm not, (laughs) (laughs) and and so my friends at school, like, I got, it was my first time to be a, to feel, not that I was, but to feel like a minority, even though I was... White, but I wasn't like as white as they. It was just a different culture. And so a lot of my friends I hung out with were Latino or black, and there weren't that many in our school. Um, I think for several years we had a black student, right? Maybe two, a couple of native students, a few Hispanics. And then they were like, oh, but you're from Texas. And that's like the same. You probably, yeah. And I didn't, I was like, well, that's cool because like, you know, Jesus is like my neighbor and we're friends and we play ball and stuff anyway. And then as I got a little bit older, I was like, oh. Okay, well, this is different. And then I had, like, a weird sense of allegiances. And so I didn't, um, you know, I didn't uh, gangbang, but I had friends that did. We Our school had real strict policies. We were attached to, like, the police station. We had Bloods and GDs, and it was a whole, you know, thing, early 90s. Um, and and I, as those lines got drawn, right, it was a very different world, yeah. it was interesting to see that translate into how... Um, white community treated anyone who was even like a little bit different, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of what we're talking about here is not those stark lines that people might assume, but even how we treat some of the the more nuanced or uncertainty among not just identity, but lived experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, it was, I'm not trying to make more of this story than, than it was, but it was just a, a fascinating kind of learning experience. And I think this is why like everybody should travel and move around because you need to feel uncomfortable yeah. on some level yeah. because it just gives you a little bit of insight yeah. into what your neighbors probably feel all the time. Oh, yeah. So this is a good segue to talk about Live Free. So I, I, and to kind of the lead up here, you know, I'm assuming our listeners might know you, as we said, from music or from being involved with um, Justice for Julius or Black Lives Matter or, you know, whatever it is around town where you, when it's appropriate and, and affects you, will use your voice for good, right? To say, hey, like, listen, we should, we need to show up here about this thing. This is important. Um, and this is a big week for you because you are launching uh, a local affiliate of a, of a national organization called Live Free. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization and, and how it's come about here in Oklahoma? Yeah, so um, Live Free, they do a lot of different things, um, but uh, CVI work is one of those things, community violence inter- mm-hmm. intervention. Um, after the Julius Jones, um, and I hate to say after because we still, yeah, you know, dealing with it, but after, you know, bro didn't get killed, you know, then we went out to, a few of us went out to Oakland with Pastor Michael McBride, and he's the, the head of Live Free USA. Mm-hmm. And while we were out there, we kind of saw some of the work that, you know, Live Free does. And we're just like, man, this is, this is dope. Like, this is really what we could be doing in Oklahoma City. Not only that, like, we kind of been doing it, but we didn't know, like, it could be organized in this way. You know what I'm saying? We didn't know that, you know, it could be um, something that, that um, you know, we could, like, you know, get training for and people could, like, actually work and get these resources to the community. And so whenever we expressed interest, then... You know, we started going to trainings, went to a training in Chicago, went to a training in New York. Uh, We had a peace summit here um, to kind of, you know, 
take the temperature of the room, see if, you know, this is something people would be, would, would want to get behind and kind of show, like, and he brought a lot of those people that we met at these different cities mm-hmm. in. And um, I was, we were just like, this, this, is, this needs to happen. And, and so we just, you know, the past two years, we've just been really trying to um, build relationships, kind of um, build these bridges and, you know, connect with different partners here. And then, um, and then just, you know, kind of stand it up, you know. Yeah. And, and so this weekend, we're about to do that. Yeah. So, um, the, as I understand it, please correct me here, but the, the real kind of thrust or mission of Live Free OKC is around gun, gun violence, yeah. right? And this is something that's touched your, you, touched yeah, your family so, directly. Yeah, so, um, so Live Free OKC are, are you know, we'll, we plan to eventually do more, but right now our focus is on gun violence and our pilot is going to be focusing on gun violence in Ward 7, mm-hmm. Northeast Oklahoma City. And so, um, yeah, the first time I remember somebody in my family getting shot, I had a cousin who got shot in the head. Um, uh, his name was Tony, got shot in the head, and um, I was probably like, I don't know, eighth grade, so like 12, yeah. 13, maybe. And... Um, then my brother got killed when I was like 18. He got shot in the head in front of our house. Um, and then as I got older, it was like people just was getting, getting, you know what I'm saying, shot left and right. You know, I had a, um, he's, well, I called him uncle, but he was like a cousin of mine. Mm-hmm. He, I called him uncle, but he was old enough to, he was, he was a, my second cousin, my yeah. dad's cousin. But, uh, so he lived with my second cousin, but I called him uncle because he yeah. was like an uncle. Um, you know, he got shot and killed on the east side, um, you know, had other friends get killed on the east, like, just so many, so, like, just, I had a cousin got, he got killed on 23rd, um, on MLK Day, um, yeah, just, you know, I could just go on and on and on and on about, you know, homies that have been killed and family members who have been shot and killed, but, and so, with this, it's like I think about all those things, and I think about just the conflict and the lead up, and I think about you know how much retaliation played a part in some of it, and it's like, um, what can I do to intervene before the situations get that bad? Right. You know. Right. And how can I use my voice um, to intervene? How can I use you know, my connection to these resources to help, you know, some of these people who are in these situations who wouldn't be in these situations if they had, you know, A, B, and C, or if they had diapers for their baby, mm-hmm. if they had, um, you know, furniture in their house, if they had food in the fridge, if they had a job, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If they can get, get from out from under, you know, they can help get their bills paid. If, you know what I'm saying, all these, like, there's so many, you know, things that, you know, because the, the idea is, is that, is that, or I, I mean, not an idea, I know that a lot of the violence we see, at least in my community, you know, stem from other things than just conflict in the streets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, people oftentimes just need their needs met. And if those needs are met, then then that can help detour them from being involved in situations where violence could, could play a part. Yeah. And so that's what we want to do with Live Free OKC is is get to people and who are in those situations and help provide those resources, provide that wraparound service so that um, they don't feel the need. And they don't, they aren't, they're, they're, because all these things are being taken care of and they're, you know, living a not life like we would call normal, then 
all these other things aren't even a factor. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and, you know, for everybody that I know who has, you know, shot somebody, everybody that I know has been shot, everybody I know that carries a gun and, you know, is involved in, you know, violence like that or activity like that, for the most part, I'm not, I can't say all, but for the most part, these are people who don't want to be, you know, um, involved in violence they don't want to have to pull a gun out they don't want to kill people they don't want to shoot people they don't want to be shot they don't want to be shot at you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so if we're dealing with people who are like that but the potential is there because there are needs that need to be met then let's just meet those needs so they can deal with the other problems that are causing you know these situations to occur right yeah so so the live free kind of uses I think what they call a logic model, right? Mm-hmm. To help identify individuals mm-hmm. who might be at high risk mm-hmm. for engaging in or being a victim of gun right. violence and then trying to come in and say, hey, like, let's help provide these wraparound services. Exactly. Um, do you know um, how many cities or, or states it's, um, uh, there's other live-free kind of yeah, branches? Yeah, I know there's, I know there's um, and some, some of the, the live free affiliate affiliates don't they don't they're they aren't called live free they're called sure. other things too but i know chicago new york uh i believe dallas st louis um uh there's a couple in florida miami orlando oakland um yeah they're all over yeah all over and and you know a lot of these places they've seen you know a, a real reduction in violent crime, it's seen a real reduction in gun violence. You know, um, I know, I know. Um, in like two years, Oakland saw a reduction of like you know forty to fifty percent. Wow. You know, like crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. All because and I and, and all because they were you know helping people and and providing people with the things they need. You know what I'm saying? It might even you know it might even be well you know some something happened to somebody. And this person is about to, you know, turn the city up. You know what I'm saying? We get that person and we just, you know, put them on timeout and say, hey, you know, we want to, but if to make sure, you know, nothing happens, we're going we gonna to put you here. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know, Dallas or Houston, mm-hmm. one of the other live free cities, you know what I'm saying, for a, for a month or two. While you calm down, you get help over there. Your people are taken care of here. Right. And you come back. You good, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or somebody coming home from the pen, we know before they get out that that's the person that, you know what I'm saying, is going to be, when they get this, get to hit the streets, it's going to be hot. Mm-hmm. We meet them when they get out, like, look, what do you need? How can we help you? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are, you know, there are so many um, different ways and different models that, that you know, how this works. And it's it's hard to... For especially for a city like Oklahoma City, where where the answer is, we just need more police. You know what I'm saying? Always, right. it's hard to explain and break it down so that uh, people see that that these are just people who need our help and who need a little extra. You know what I'm saying? Um, and if they have those things, everything is all right. If they right. have if they have these things the city is way more peaceful. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, so that's what, that's what I want to bring. That's what we want to do. Yeah. That's, um, that's super exciting. And it, it's uh, the, the data nerd in me and the, you know, community health worker and, and, and therapist in me is um, fascinated and, and compelled in lots of ways. I don't, I don't know if you know, I used to uh, run an HIV clinic here in no, Oklahoa that's, City. That's why I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, so I did it for... 10 years or so and one of you you mentioned folks um being discharged being let out of the pen and folks leaving doc custody was such a a gap i mean just a chasm because they would get even for healthcare, right so we would see people get health care um maybe not great health care but they would get their meds every day (laughs) at least usually while they're in uh uh in prison and then they get out and as we begin to learn, like that process of what happens with it's somebody, like, yeah, it's they're like, just it's I mean, a literally road trying to figure out where do I go, what do I do, who do I oh, talk? it's nuts. You know what I'm saying, like, yeah, but that's the thing, you know, like none of this is set up to um, none of this is set up for 
those people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like it's 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 none of this built like I the best way I can describe it is like college, right? Like when I went to college, I knew immediately this wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Even though even though, you know, I was you gotta go to college, you gotta do this. But once I got there I realized Oh, this is not just about going to school. It's like a whole culture uh, yeah. that you gotta fit yeah. into. You know what I'm saying? And you gotta you got to you have to be able to um to assimilate in a way to where you can, you know, navigate through all these things that, you know, have to do with college. It's not just about going to class. It's a college is a culture, right? Mm-hmm. And so the same is is almost true with like with that somebody getting out. And you realize, okay, it's not just about going and getting your meds. It's mm-hmm. not just about going and getting your ID. It's about going to this place. They give you a big old sheet of paper. You can take that to this place, and then they say, "No, nah, you gotta go back because they didn't do right. that." You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? And and then you, whenever you you're doing that, on top of you still got fines um, from you know all yeah. this other stuff. Got to connect with your parole and probation yeah. officer, all this stuff. And it's like, yeah. why didn't you do this? Well, I did do this, but I went over here and they said, and I'm saying like, it's not, it's not set up in a way to where if you don't have help, you can navigate it. You know what I'm saying? It's no. not set up in a way to where um, you feel like it's built so that you can actually succeed mm-hmm. and, and, and thrive. It's set up in a way to where it breaks you down um, and you feel like, man, effort. when I went to... For instance, one reason why I don't I, I don't like school is because um, I remember I had went smile. I was like, go back to school. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, re-enroll. And so I'm going to apply and do the college thing after. Like, I'm an adult now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Years after. And I go, okay, now I go to the admissions office. You got to fill out this and then take that to this. I said, I'm going home. I was like, I'm, as, soon as, right. I, as soon as I had like three places to go, I was like, no, nah, if I can't just get it all done, right. I'm, I'm going home. You know I don't want to, yeah. I'm not feeling, like, this is not, nah, y'all don't want me here again. That's how I feel. It's like, if if I got to do all this work just to, you know what I'm saying, do more, y'all don't want me here. You right. know what I mean? So right. it's the same, it's that same feeling. It, it, it gives you like an anxiety. Yeah. And, and people don't, and what people don't realize is that, a lot of that anxiety isn't because you just don't want to do it or isn't because you can't do it. It's because of probably some trauma, some PTSD, something that you have. Like for me, going to college and doing all paperwork and all that stuff, it reminds me of court and it reminds me of job interviews. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the most anxiety I've yeah. ever had in my life was, you know what I'm saying, going to court, going to jail and trying to get a job. You know what I'm saying? And so... Whenever I'm doing that and you got you looking at somebody and you just, you know, and they're looking at you like, okay, why are you here? You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, nah, right. you know, I don't know why I'm here either. I'm, I'm about to bounce. Right. I just go home. It's easy for me to go home and, you know what I'm saying, do this and do that. Yeah. And then I, you know, I'm get it done that way as opposed to, like, looking at you in the face. You're talking like I'm, you're looking like you met me before because I'm, you know, whatever. Right. And you're treating me that way. Then I, you know what I'm saying, I, yeah. I'm out. You know what I mean? So. That's. When it came to HIV care, um, the two things we knew statistically, right, is that when men, regardless of race, um, get out of prison, within 48 hours, 90% of them will have sex and get high. And so we said, okay, well, we know that they're going to go where there's women and drugs or alcohol. And so how can we get, like, not how can we stop that? Like, that's going to happen, and, like, with good reason. I've been locked up for a while. Those are two things I would like to do as well, right? Like, I don't care who it is. But how can we, like, get some kind of support in that system so that somebody in their world would be like, listen, you thanks, we're so glad you're out. We're going to have you, you're going to have a good time. And I'm tomorrow I'm also going to make sure that you make a doctor's appointment or we're going to go get your meds or just, like, one little thing. Because I was like, well, we can't. There are some things you can change and some things you can just lean into. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was a fascinating uh, kind of look into, like, how can we – meet people where they are without judgment mm-hmm. and saying, listen, we care about you. We want to help you live a better life. Like just live period. Um, and, and what do you free. need? Yeah. Live. Free. <laughs> there you go. How can we make that happen? Yeah. It's, it's hard, man. You know, um, yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> you know, but 
I, I just wish that um, everybody understood those things. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know, people get get home from the pen and it's like, go get a job. Do this. It's like, okay, how? Right. I've been, you know what I'm saying? Like, no car. I got no a car. record. Yeah. Everything is online now. Like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? When I went in, it was on paper. Like, where do I start? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and, and I just feel like, man, as people, as humans, on earth it's our responsibility to help each other in those ways because there's no we like regardless of where you come from um you know that pick yourself up by the bootstraps and you know what i'm saying there are people who ain't never had boots you know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. You know what I mean? So how are you going to tell somebody who ain't never had a pair of boots pick yourself up by bootstraps? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we have to get out of that mindset um, to where, like, you know, if I did it, you can do it. You know what I'm saying? Um, somebody was telling me that yesterday. It was like, I, you know, because I graduated from first class, right? Yeah. And I'm talking with somebody, and they're saying how, you know, they went to first class and, like, in the, I don't know, Shit, way before I was there, 50s, 60s, yeah. something like that. Uh, and they would say, you know, you know, when I talk to these kids, I, I tell them if I could do it, you could do it. And this, and I'm just looking at you going, like, man, you have no idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have no idea. And I like, there's every everything is subjective. Everything is different. What worked for me might not work for you. You know what I'm saying? Like. How I got it is not how. That's why. I, that's why when that when I talk to kids about whether it's you know rapping, doing music, owning a restaurant, um, you know, business, uh, live free tower, whatever I've done, or I don't care whatever it is. Like I, it, like I don't. I'm not doing somebody any good saying if I did it, then you can do it because I still feel like I have. There, are, I feel like I know there are people who who grew up on the same. Matter of fact, I could think of you know a bunch of people, people who grew up on the same street I did, same time, same era, same neighborhood, same school. Some of some of one of my homeboys, we was best friends in, in junior high, in sixth grade, seventh grade, and he's in prison for life. He, he was on death row and got off of death row. Now he's in prison for life. Another one, dead. So the that if I could do it, you can do it, doesn't mean thing. The difference is this, is that you have to see that I can say, I, I look at how my situation, you know, dad not being around, being homeless, growing up in, you know, around, you know, Game banging, growing up around pimping, growing up around you know, uh, you know, one parent household, all all these things, uh, homeless, all those things, they grew up around too, right? The only difference is because I feel like my my um, the car, you know, what I'm saying like, what's the saying goes? Um, not that I played the hands I was dealt, but um, I'm a product of my environment. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm a product of my environment, meaning my environment made me the way I am. And you ask my homeboy who's on on in, in the pen for life, he'll tell you his he, he's a product of his environment. Sure, his environment made him who he is, and that's why he where he's at. We grew up the same exact exact way, seeing the same things, the same mm-hmm. the same trauma, the same, you know, death, destruction, poverty, all that. You know what I mean? The only difference is, is that, you know, I was, I had other opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I I I went I got into music. I started rapping. You know what I'm saying? Like all these different things. You know what I'm saying? And so. I know that's not, I know that, like, like, unless, unless he had those opportunities or, or he saw those things, it's the same for me. 
know what I'm saying? Like, I would be where he is today. I would be where they are today had I not somebody, you know what I'm saying? And there's not that, that it's, there's not that many people go around to be, you know what I'm saying, pulling people up and, you know what I'm saying, and, you know, when you need help, I got you. Mm-hmm. And so, and so I can't tell somebody, well, put yourself by your bootstraps or, you know, if I did it, you can do it because that's not true. Because there are people who I know that are that were just like me the same way and they could do it, but it didn't happen. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so what I had to do is understand is if 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 it what it didn't happen for them, how can I duplicate more people like me or like the ones who helped me or the ones who saw me so that we can spread them out for those ones so it don't happen no more. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just think that I just think that man, we have to we have to like to start really working harder at you know looking out for people and helping people and all that stuff. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, um, I will say that you know I had a I had a mom who made sure I stayed in the house. I had a mom that made sure you know what I'm saying like you know, um, you know I didn't fuck up. You know what I'm saying? My mom was was a big part of it. You know what I'm saying? But but at the same time, you know, for for the times that, you know, I feel like it could have been different, you know, or the, you know what I'm saying? And, and there, are, there are things where, where, where uh, you know, I know she, she fell short, too, and she could have did things different, too. But still, this, some of my homies, their moms was there, they, you know what I'm saying? And they still, because the, the streets are still there, no yeah. matter what, the streets are still there. And so if the streets are still there, we can't expect people to go, well, pull yourself a Bible bootstrap, do this, do that, do this. It's, it, it's not, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, I, that makes me think, when I, when I talk to people about the role of advocacy mm-hmm. in their life, and this is a bit of a shift, but um, when I talk about, like, what happens at the state capitol with bills and legislation and <clears throat> legislators, and people are like, you know, I don't have time for that, or, you know, they, they don't care what I say. What I often tell people is, your voice matters, mm-hmm. and if you, if you don't speak up, somebody else is, yes. and they might disagree with you, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I, what I that made me, what you were saying made me think that it's it's kind of the same thing that like if you do nothing, the world is going to keep going, and if you don't make an effort to intervene to make things better. I don't think we can trust that the world is going to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. Like exactly right. Life is hard. Um, You know, there are, there are forces out there that are working on us, on our lives, on our political system, on the streets that might not align with our values. And if we don't show up, then we just cede that ground Mm -hmm. to those other forces. Um, And we, I can't a good conscience do that. Right. Like, my neighbors, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, like, need need us to show up if we can, right? Because not everybody can right now. I get that. Yeah. But, like, if you have the ability to but, show up for your yeah. for your neighbor, you got to do it. There's a there's a line I have in a song where it's like, um, you should always have a job if your body's able. And I think the same is true. Like, if, if my body is able and I'm able to help and do things, I need to show up and do them. You know what I mean? Like, because um, there are people whose bodies aren't able. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are people mm-hmm. who can't. You know what I mean? So, man, it, it, I think I think that, um, um, I just say, cause I, um, I think our culture, uh, American culture, we are, we are a culture of um, me, me, me. Oh, did I mention me? You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And because of that, like, it's easy for us to, like, for instance, it w- it's easy for me to be like, oh, two restaurants, a nonprofit, music, I get to go on tour. I did all that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And if you ain't got it, so what? You know what I mean? Because I, I got mine. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And... When it, when when in actuality, I feel as people, as humans, as you know, uh, 
people who are civilized, it is very, very important that, you know, if, if, lack of a better word, if I'm civilized, it's, it's my duty to civilize somebody else. Mm -hmm. If, um, if I have some knowledge or if I have, um, something, it's my duty to share it Mm -hmm. so that, so that, because I can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to be gone one day. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm not going to be here for a hundred years more. So whenever I'm gone, somebody should be able to say, man, if it weren't for JB, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. If it weren't, if, man, I met JB and that changed my life. Man, if it, if it wasn't for JB doing A, B, and C, I wouldn't be here. But if all, if, if, if when I go, all they can say is, well, man, JB, he sure could rap. Man, JB, he sure could dress cool. Man, JB, he sure, you know what I'm saying? Like, then it's like, I, I, I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because if I, if, if people can say those other things, then whenever they go, people will say the same thing about them. Right. And it, and it spreads. We take care of each other. You know what I mean? That's true. I mean, everyone, everyone's legacy is, is almost never about what they did for themselves. It's what they did. They did for other people, right? Uh, even you know, even but that's. But I, I'm saying I know people when they a uh, day gone and obituary say, "Man, he was a good domino player." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. For real. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's for real. Like people live their lives like that. Yeah. And so you know because of that, it's like it's like. You know, I just think that it's so important that, you know, we have a legit uh, legacy and a foundation that is rooted in what we have contributed in our time. Yeah. Uh, that we haven't squandered however many years we were here. This right. is because this is not a practice life. We don't get to, pr- this ain't the practice. Right. See what happens. Then we come back and do it again. This is it. And so, um and I said that because I I, I I got homies out there in the funerals where it's like, man, you know, so-and-so, he he loved going bowling. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn, you know what I'm saying? You lived 40 years, and all we all you did was bowl, and you know what I'm saying? You didn't teach nobody to bowl. You didn't have a bowling league. You didn't, you didn't you know what I'm saying? You you don't have somebody who, who can say, man, if it weren't for him, I learned how to bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. those are the things that, that we have to be doing as people to continue to make sure that not only our legacy, you know, but also that other people's legacies as well. Right. Well, it's not just about like headlines. It's, well, I say, I hate to say to my friends, right. It's not about headlines. It's about heart lines. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's, it's fine. Like, you know, it's, if you happen to make headlines, good for you. That maybe that inspires mm-hmm. somebody, but are you making that personal connection with people in your life no doubt. that can make an impact on them and inspire them, change them, help them in some way. Um, that is a big deal to me. Cause I can, I can name up everybody who has inspired me and changed me. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And some of them, you know, people would consider, you know, great people. Some people are like, why in the hell? Some, some, some other, some people who have cha- helped change me and inspire me are some of my homies who have locked who are locked up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or who are dead. You know what I mean? But, you know, they did something while they was here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, I just I just feel like, you know, we have to take more responsibility for each other. And I think, like you were saying with um, the homies who come out of the pen with AIDS and, you know, um, and trying to figure out, you know, how to help them get their life on track. You know what I'm saying? Like, all that stuff matters. And, you know... We can't we can't walk around and live like, well I'm I'm fine so that's all that matters. Right, right. Every, everybody's every everything all that shit matters. Um, Marcus Aurelius, famous I mean he was leader of the Roman Empire, right? Mm-hmm. So, big dude. He in his book Meditations, the first chapter or three, is entirely just a list of everyone in his life for whom he is grateful and why. Like he just sat down and just, and it's the way it starts and it's not a very long book, right? And I've read it a couple of times and it strikes me every time that, I mean, it is, it is big stuff. Like, you know, it's his 
parents and his siblings and like mentors and those things. But then also like a bunch of folks that I don't even know who they are, but it's like these people inspired him to be better in some way. That's hard. And it's like, okay, if you're the leader of the Roman empire back when it was something like, and that's how you start, maybe you're on the right different perspective. I need to put that in my next liner notes, yo. It is my next album. There you go. That's dope. Um, before we wrap up here, um, did I take you off? I'm sorry if I no. Yours okay. is this has been great, man. Um, I I want to say, in the, in the same vein here, Live Free is not just you. Like you're the executive director, but you've got a good team around yeah. you. Um, who else is is kind of in that inner circle there? So uh, we got myself. We got uh, Jess Eddie, who is you know, kind of been like just the behind the scenes, like really. Um, man, dude is like, like he was doing all this stuff for Live Free while going to law school and doing all this crazy stuff. I, I, I want to interrupt you real quick because I appreciate Jess for all kinds of reasons, two of which I'll mention now. One is that whenever he and I are in a meeting or on a call together, we both like know each other and we can both freely say like, hey, we don't always agree on stuff, but we're both cool. Like this is, yeah. we're doing this work. Um, I mean, he's probably to the left of me uh, on some things, or we just have different approaches to it, but there's a mutual respect of, like, we're all in this together. Yeah. Um, and then secondly, anytime, I mean, I'm constantly, like, wrestling with the idea of going to law school, and all the attorneys I, I know say, don't do it. And I was like, well, I can't. I can't afford to quit work to go to school. Yeah. And I don't know anyone who's, like, gone to law school part-time to make it work, and everybody says, Jess Eddy. Like, <laughs> he's the only person I know that is, like, toughed it out for several years to get yep. through it and my hat's off to him for doing that because it is not easy to get yeah, get man. through he, and that's the thing man like I the the best way I can describe Jess is like I was talking to somebody and they were like you know they were like you know you know Jess he's kind of you know and I one thing about him is he lets me play the good guy while he plays the bad guy <laughs> uh-huh. but um but um uh, but they were like, you know, man, like, I see some glimpses of brilliance. Like, I want to meet him. You know, mm-hmm. like, I like I see, like, like things where it's like, you know, or I hear things, and it's like, he's wow, you know. But then, like, when I hear him talk, it's like, it's brilliant. And I was like, yeah, like, he, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, and so that's the best, that's one of my favorite ways of describing him is like, Whatever you, I always tell him this because he's always like worried about like you know, what people are saying or like you know, and I'm just like man, like when somebody sits down with you for five ten minutes, mm-hmm. like it don't matter, like whatever they thought is out the window because of how smart and brilliant you are. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, he's, you know, he's really helped me, um, you know, organize live free OKC. Uh, in a way that I probably could never have done it had I had he not, you know, been there, been there to help me do it. And he's on like the operations and operations, finance side, operations yeah. finance, yeah. And so then we have uh, Janetta, and she's our life coach. Um, man, she's um, social worker. You know, that's always yeah, my wife's a social worker. That's yeah, always a, so like a, she's gonna be. Like, it's more of like a caseworker. Yeah, um, she's she's dope. Um, she's from the east, and then. Um, we got my homeboy Cassius, who I've I've known him for a while, like just seen him around, like in, you know what I'm saying, like you know in the hood or whatever, you know what I'm saying. But um, and then we got Brandon Banks and Javier Morales. I met Brandon in sixth grade. I met Javier in fifth grade. Javier was the first person that I knew in fifth grade. I remember his brother got killed when he was in fifth grade, and uh, he didn't come to school for a while. Um, and me and Javier were in the same class as uh, Dennis Coyne, uh, Wayne Coyne's nephew. Mm-hmm. Like we were all in the same. Like matter of fact, Dennis and Dennis Javier sat next to next to in class. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, you know, you have two people who you know get the same and same environment, so to speak, and they go opposite mm-hmm. ways. Right, you know what I'm right. saying? Um, but yeah, Javier, like as soon as I started to think about who I wanted on my team, as far as live free, Javier and, and Brandon, um, were it. Brandon, 
is one of the most respected, loved people on the East Side. He can go anywhere, uh, stand up dude, ever since we was kids. And he one of them kids who, um, he was good at everything, basketball, football, whatever you give give him, he would he crush it. He's a big dude too, isn't he? Big as shit. <laughs> Uh, all the all the girls always love Brandon. Uh-huh. Um, he looked out for me because I was little in school. You know what I mean? And um, nobody nobody messed with him because he you know he can handle himself. Yeah. Um, and then you know, like I said, Javier, who has you know kind of been through a lot and seen a lot. You know, he been behind the walls for a little bit. You know, but you know uh, he's solid and he's connected in the city in ways that. People can't be connected. You know what I'm saying? You don't. You, you can't. People, people like to be connected in ways where because you got money, yeah. or because um, your parents are somebody, or because you went to school. Um, everybody on our team is connected because of just who they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, and that's and and really that's 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 the way that this program works is that we all have to be solid in those areas because um, the community has to be able to trust us, has to be able, be able to believe us, has to be able to lean on us, and has to be able to know that we are there for them. Yeah. Um, and everybody on our team has always been that. Yeah. Uh, that's great. I, you know, when I first started Let's Fix This back in 2016, um, a state legislator told me that the two things that matter in politics or in the state capital are money and influence. And I said, I don't have any money. He said, you got influence. And I said, I don't think so. And he said, you've got relationships with people. Yeah. And I've, I think about that all the time. And anyone who listens to me speak like knows this is a thing that I harp on is that, um, you know, uh, there's a, a quote from, I think it's from Plato that says, who you are speaks so loud. I cannot hear what you say. And the ability for an individual like you or Brandon or anybody else on your team, Javier, like to have the authenticity of relationships to yeah. say, like, I get you because I have been you yeah, um, is a superpower. Yeah, you know, like is. that's the thing that like makes the difference because it doesn't, you know, humping, Joe Biden can walk down here as president of the free world um, and and uh, as an old ass white guy, and like has not much credibility when yeah. it comes. Like he might have influence, might have money, but it's not the same as someone who has walked in those footsteps to say, "I know what you're going through, and I'm here with you because I want to make it better." Uh, and and I'm, that's our squad. That's our team. Just yeah, like that. that's rad, man. Yeah, I'm telling you, Brandon Javier, Cassius, they can walk in places Biden couldn't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm you know sure. What I mean? So. Um, I would love to. I would love that to be a documentary to see that happen. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. So um, this episode is airing on Friday. Um, so that means that on Thursday you had a press conference, and then on Friday you had a, a community conversation, uh, really kickstarting kind of this launch of Live Free. Uh, that means tomorrow, Saturday, you're having a, a not a piece festival but it's a at peace expo expo there yeah. near your office over on the east side yeah. right yeah. tell us a little bit about what that looks like and then we'll wrap up okay so the peace expo is just a, a chance for the community to come to come and meet our team and then also it's a chance for our partners that we're working with you know north care red rock all these different groups to be present um you know help people understand you know how they can you know reach out get resources get information, educated on some of the work. And then we also, you know, we'll have music and we'll have games for the kids and face painting and things like that. So it's just a time for, you know, we wanted to have something that was open to the community that, you know, so the community could see. We'll give a tour of our of our new office space and just really just show, um, you know, unity um, in, in a way to where you can see like, okay, they working with them, this, this, you know, everybody, this is, this is not, this is not about JB. It's not about, Anybody, this is about the community. It's about peace, and so our peace expo is just to, to help you know show the community that. Yeah, right on. We'll be there uh, with our usual you know assortment of voter registration forms right. and information, um, for the same reason, right? That yeah. we're all in this together. 
Yeah. Um, and we know that we are stronger together when we when we do that. Yes. JBVN, thanks for being here. Thank you. I have fun. All right. Uh, listeners, thank you for being here as well uh, as we wrap up for this week. Um, if you happen to listen to this on Saturday morning, come out to the east side. JB, what time is it on Saturday? Saturday is 11, so about 1. Okay, so for the three of you that listen to this first thing Saturday morning, show up. I will also put it out on our uh, emails and socials and hopes that some of you come get to meet uh, JB and his team at Live3OKC and find ways to get involved. Uh, This is a tremendous opportunity to make the world better. Maybe you're not from the east side. That's okay. You can still make a difference in your world. I guarantee there are people suffering wherever you live in the state, right? Urban, rural, northwest, northeast, south, wherever you're at, uh, your neighbors need you. That's what we're all about. All right. Um, Because, as we say every week, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a good week. Mm